Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Good morning, millennials, and welcome back to The Toast. Happy Monday. Happy New Year. Hope everybody had a fabulous weekend. Speaking of fabulous, here I am. Here she is. La Turd. You guys, you are probably shocked that Turd X Flamingos X Florida Studio X Jacks X Original Recipe is happening today. I was supposed to be home today. But in a not so shocking turn of events, even though it was shocking given the circumstances, but this happens every time you're here. So I'm sure the toasters aren't surprised. No, but Turdy extended her stay. I did. But of course I had to do so in like the most dramatic way. Right. I'm packing up. I leave. I get in the Uber. Harry's literally in the driveway waving to his auntie. Koja, koja. What do I do in the car? I cry. And then what do I do? I call Ben and I say, Ben, I don't think I can do it. Ben says, what if I come down? Literally, I'm like halfway to the airport. I'm like, I'm so sorry, sir. I forgot something. We have to turn around. And then I like came back and I didn't tell anyone. And I was like so dramatic. I like walked through the door with my bags. It's literally like, what's the, what's that movie? It's from Friends. Like, I got off the plane. That was literally me. And like, honestly, everybody was like, <clears throat> like, I, I didn't feel like I was being dramatic because everybody was like, she's here. Wait, what are you doing? What's wrong? Like everybody was feeding into like my dramatic fantasy and it made the whole thing worth it. It was a very exciting thing. I woke up to it because I fell back asleep after the early AM feeding and I was looking through the family chat. Claudia had left. She sent a picture of herself in the Uber crying. And then I'm nursing on my bed. I still hadn't gotten up yet, like for the day. And I hear Claudia's voice like coming down my hallway. I'm like, Claudia? But I, I figured actually it's probably Olivia sounding like Claudia. Or maybe like somebody's playing a video of mine. Maybe. <clears throat> and then she walked in the door. I was like, what? No, like one thing about me, like my life is a movie. Like <laughs> my life is a film. Are you saying you're giving main character energy? No, I wouldn't say that I'm giving main character energy one because only losers say that. And to right. be honest, no main character has like really actually ever said that, like not to be a bitch. Um, and two, I'm not giving main, like I am, you know? The main character. You, you can give something that you already are, if that makes sense. But I feel like I'm the main character. Why would you say, I mean, I, you're definitely like the main character of your life. I feel like it's one of those movies, like, you know. Where um, there's two main characters. Like Valentine's Day or Love no. Actually, where there's a lot of main characters. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. I think it's like the type of movie with two main, like it's, it's Romy and Michelle. Yeah. Like they're both like, honestly, I couldn't even really say who's better, Romy or Michelle. No, it's not about who's better. It's about who's the main character. And they're really 50-50. But it just begs the question, like, who did you like better, Romy or Michelle? 
Like Michelle, Michelle had a better zest for life, but like mm-hmm. she was living in a fantasy, and like she was. They both were, you know. But like Romy, at least, like had a grip on reality. I felt like Romy was like always kind of shielding Michelle from like the real story. But Romy was the reason that he got themselves into such True. trouble because Romy cared so much what other people thought, whereas Michelle was just going with the flow, and she wasn't ashamed of their life. No, and she would have been happy to show up at the reunion. Yeah, so true. as who she was, it was Romy who wanted bigger and better for them, who wanted Business. more than her station. You're so right. You're so right. So, so I guess there was one who was better. Michelle? Yeah. Well, you thought it was Romy, so you-, you I didn't say I thought it was Romy. I'm saying arguments could be made for both. Yeah. Even though, Romy, like, obviously, Romy Lisa definitely, Kudrow, like, ushered them through life, but she took a lot of wrong turns. It's true, but, you know, it's At hard. least they got somewhere. Yeah, it's true, it's true. I don't know there if they would get anywhere. I don't know if they would have had a roof over their heads had it not been for Romy. Right. Okay, I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Both are important. So it was a fabulous weekend. We celebrated the Jewish New Year. Happy Rosh Hashanah to everyone. And what's even more fabulous about it is since we were all together for the holiday, we vlogged not once, but twice. Part two will be going up today, correct? Part two is going up today. So part one went up on Saturday. It was Olivia's night of Rosh Hashanah. She hosted night one. And Claudia and Marco took us behind the scenes of her kitchen, which I loved watching because I didn't get to see her cooking process. I wish I watched it before I made my night. Because then I could see how she did her brisket because you kept telling me what she was doing. Yeah. But she did night one. The vlog is so amazing. So many scenes. I pop in for a second, but I'm, I'm not the You're main character. Definitely not. I'm like not even supporting. I'm an extra. You're a background actor for it's sure. It's giving extra. No, you're like man in taxi, you know? Because <laughs> you had a line. No, I'm woman with baby. Yeah. By the way, you're literally breastfeeding mama. I'm woman with baby in vlog number one. <laughs> But in vlog number two, which drops today, I'm the star. I'm the main character energy. And I'm kind of like, Remy, the ratatouille, the rat of all my dreams. I'm kind of like the rat in your ear in the kitchen. Yeah, you are the supporting Remy actor, I would say. Mm. If they were giving Oscars for vlogs, like I would be nominated for best actress okay, if and I would, would be, be best supporting actress. But I would also be nominated in like director category okay. and perhaps like stage design. Yeah, and maybe like writer girl writer girl yeah okay that's fair um so then part two for everyone there is room for everyone so i won't spoil it but night two like we were coming off of olivia's amazing hosting of night one honestly when we got home from her dinner we were like why did we even bother yeah um and we were following this kind of i would say advanced recipe Mm -hmm. for a brisket for a brisket from jay cohen's new cookbook and i won't lie like we were cursing jay cohen's name in our sleep well i don't want to spoil but well yeah anything the vlog is one hour of Claudia. It's one and I, hour of Claudia and I cooking a six-pound brisket, and it is—it's cinematic gold, and it's dropping today. So that's at Patreon.com/slash/the toast. Not only are we cooking a six-pound brisket, but we are in foul moods, like really foul. Jackie was obviously just like overtired from being a mother. And I feel like I'm usually trying to be positive when we're feeling foul. Oh, we're cooking the brisket at midnight. Yeah, it was—it was one of the worst experiences of my life. But it was all, all worth it because we got a vlog out of it. Right. And so we got a brisket for better or for worse. You'll have to you'll find have to, out. You'll have to find out how the brisket turned out. But that'll be fun. And that was going up today. So it was an eventful weekend. Really eventful. So much fun in the sun. So much fun in the sun. So much time with the kids. So it was, many core memories. I'm just like TikTok jargon girl today. Yeah. You're like delayed. Like all these things like popped off like a year ago. But No, no. But they're still part of the vernacular. Kind of. It was core memory building season over here at at the Ashray Wine Reb Shapiro software household. Um, and it was sad, obviously, because like Ben wasn't here. He spent Rosh Hashanah with his family, but he got here last night. 
And I'm just ready to do it all over again. Like make yeah. new core memories with Uncle Ben. So you're saying you want to start all over. You know, I don't know if you listened to Ben's most recent episode on the toast, but he was saying he's like in love with Olivia Rodrigo. He like loves her music. It's so Ben. It's like rockery. And he's been listening okay. to her album so much. And he gets in bed last night and I was reading and listening to music and Olivia Rodrigo's album was on. And Ben like, he thought he was about to make the most sick call ever. He's like, he points to the screen. He's like, this song, you're going to freak out. It sounds just like Start All Over by Miley Cyrus. I'm like, we know. Like, everyone's talking about it. We know. Yeah, she's going to have to give another writing credit. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, we know. Thanks for joining us. Like, he thought he had a fire point and I shut him down. That's good. Love That's to a, destroy a man's good. confidence before noon. <laughs> that's really good for your marriage. Yeah. And speaking of my marriage, we celebrated our six-year anniversary yesterday, which was why Ben flew down. I was going to come home early, and he was like, let me just... It was like a whole thing, whatever. Um, and I got him a gift. Did you see my gift? I did. I got him a cameo. Cameo is honestly sometimes like the best gift. We, I told him, I'm like, no, I There's don't want... There's a time and a place. I don't want... like I think between like Hanukkah, birthdays, anniversaries, Valentine's Day, like what, I'm supposed to drop so much money and Ben's supposed to drop so much money on me? I honestly find gift giving to be incredibly wasteful. Mm -hmm. So we haven't been like in our gift giving era. Sustainable turdy. Well, yeah, I am turning 30 next year and I do like want something big. So just make sure he takes care of that. For sure. Um, do you have any ideas in mind? Because he's always asking, but I can't Maybe a trip, think. honestly. Oh, you want an experience? Maybe. Okay. So um, we don't really do gifts anymore. I honestly, I just find it such a waste of money. But this year... I got him a cameo, which is like a gag gift, even though it was like kind of pricey. Was it? Yeah. I mean, he must have upped his price. I got him a, a cameo from Rick Hoffman, who we all know as Lewis Litt from Suits. And we also know him as an upcoming character in the Thanksgiving movie, which I'm we can't stop sure talking about. I'm sure that his price went up because Suits is number one on Netflix right now. Right. So I think all in all, it was like a little under $300 between okay. like taxes, Apple fees, all that stuff. Um, he delivered it in a couple of days. It was three minutes long. It was so thoughtful and funny. And honestly, it made Ben laugh so much. If you're like in your suits era with your husband right now, like get him a gift. Like Ben was dying. There was something like inherently, you and I were talking about this, I think privately, uncomfortable about receiving a cameo. I find it really hard to receive cameos. And you've gotten me, I've gotten a few cameos over the years from all different kinds of celebrities. And I haven't found like a cameo that I enjoy receiving. I got her one for Manti Teo when she became obsessed with that documentary. Yeah, which was so like cute and thoughtful. But, like I just like died listening to it. I can't explain it. I've you got me one from Carlin. Carlin from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Which, Jenny's that was daughter. probably my best one that I've received. But I have like a really hard time receiving cameos. And then one time, like Damon John made me one. Yep. And Bethany made you yeah. one. And <laughs> I, it has nothing to do with Damon. But like you physically recoiled. Damon <laughs> physically recoiled hearing Damon like recite what I, like it, he was things just about you things about me I just seriously wanted to die by the way I didn't choose it as a story today but are you following this Bethany saga no okay you know she's like makeup girly TikTok like yeah. whatever she like part of her personality on TikTok is that she's so rich but she shops at TJ Maxx and like I don't know I guess we're supposed to clap and um the one in, I think in the Hamptons that she goes to she like knows the staff there because she's there all the time and she brought them like this big bag of makeup that, you know, she gets so much PR and she brought them this big bag of makeup and the ladies were like, oh, thank you. But like, we're not allowed to accept. She's like, don't worry, I'll email corporate. Like, take this. And she got the whole thing on video and it was just like, I think her heart was in the right place, but it was deeply painful and uncomfortable to yeah. watch. And she's being 
dragged for it. Like beyond, a lot of people said that a lot that some of the makeup was used and like, why would you go do that? And then like to assert your power and be like, I will email your manager. Like it was giving Karen energy. Like, but a positive Karen who's trying to do good, but it's like, that's the thing. I watched the video and like you said, physically recoiled in my seat. (laughs) But I don't think, you know, her heart was in the wrong place. Yeah. But I I, I just, I can't, I can't personally get behind doing acts of good deeds and filming them. Yeah. Don't do it. No, don't. Like, you're not helping. I I like, that's a whole, but then there's this other side of TikTok where people, um, there are a lot of videos of people doing good deeds and they're amazing to watch. Yeah. And and you know that like, because they film them, they get money from it. And then they like do this thing where it's like when a, a lot of people I follow, they do this thing where when they make $1,000 in the TikTok creator fund, they'll give that as one big tip to like a server or somebody working at, you know, like a barista. And so you need the videos in order to do the acts right. of good deeds. Um, but something like that with Bethany, like honestly, like just don't. Like that's the lesson I think here for Bethany. Yeah, so I guess we can't make any blanket statements like don't do good in video. Right. Like, it's a case-by-case situation. It is. But just use your judgment like most things. Like most things. But I didn't choose that as a story. Um, Good. Just, I don't know why, like, Bethany making waves and her videos and stuff, like, just doesn't do it for me, positive or negative, yeah. you know? No, I feel that. She's definitely in, like, a weird wave of her career. Yeah. Where she's kind of becoming, like, tabloid fodder. Yeah, but she seems to be enjoying herself. Yeah. And the more, like, I don't think any amount of backlash is going to stop her from doing what she's doing. She kind of, like, lives for it. She does. And she's also, she's, like, uncancelable. Like, she's a very successful person her now like second wind as a creator of some sorts is definitely making her money but it's borderline like a hobby so it's not like you can all stop watching her videos and she'll not have you know money to put on the table like right. she's in a weird position where she really is like not cancelable but I guess that also makes whatever she's doing very authentic to her because she's yeah. not saying anything to appease anyone that's true that's always interesting it is if you're interested. So it's like a little, a little amuse-bouche, you know? Not a story, but a little amuse. Ooh, a little teaser story. I don't know what the stories are. We're doing a swap today. Oh, we are. Because I was running so late this morning, so Claudia picked the stories. And actually, some of the ads that we have today- they, Jackie's really passionate about. And they asked for me. They did. Yeah, let's talk about that like ongoing trend in our business where certain brands are reaching out asking for Jackie to read the ads. It's hurtful. Like, have I not done a good job these last six years? But it makes sense because they're brands that really- only I am using. Yeah, of course. I mean, Dreamland Baby Swaddle, of course. Right. And we have two today. One of them, like, yeah, they definitely. They definitely chose you over me. They found favor. Because they know how passionate I am about the brand. And you know what? That's okay. And sometimes I don't get to exercise my passions about the ads because, like, we hit the timer and it's time to move on. Yeah. So today I get to share everything I'm really, and there are a couple brands in here I'm really passionate about. I'm not going to say which ones because I don't know which ones I'm not passionate about. Right. <laughs> um, also, I am, unfortunately, going to have to leave your house at some point because my book club meets this week. And I'm about halfway through the book. I don't know if I updated everyone on the book that I chose. You didn't. But are you going to read somewhere? Is that what you're saying? You're going to have to leave my house? No, I have to oh. leave because book club is meeting and I have to make the meeting. I never thought a book club could be a negative thing. I know, I know. I never thought I would, you know, find disfavor with your book club. So if you followed me on Instagram, I had four books. Jackie had recommended Codename Helene. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do, I think, I pretty much landed on historical fiction. So I'd got a bunch of wrecks. I whittled it down to four and I posted on my Instagram to have everyone vote for which would be the, the one that that I chose. And for some reason, I ended up choosing the one with the least amount of votes. Why? I don't know. I just read the description and I was like compelled by it. And 
You followed your heart. I followed my heart. And you know, I'm on this like kind of like history journey where I like low key know nothing about history. It's actually embarrassing. And when I've been reading a lot of World War II books, I've kind of been focusing on different countries. Mm -hmm. Like when I read The Rose Code, I learned all about England during World War II. When I read The Nightingale, I learned all about France. And then one of the books that I had thought about reading was Italy. And I was like, what was going down in Italy? Like, I had no idea. I knew England when I read The Rose Code. I knew England was like a main character of World War II. Then when I read The Nightingale, I'm like, what the hell did go down in France? Turned out they just like rolled over and, An let, embarrassment. Them, and let the Nazis come in. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, what happened with Italy? So you know what? I was like, I feel like this is a good journey for me. Yeah. It's 600 pages though, which is a okay. lot. I'm 50% through. It's an incredibly compelling story. I will say, I do think the book requires the basic background, like minimal knowledge on like the main characters in Italy during the war. The war. Do you have those? No, but let me tell you what I do have, a Kindle. And I was talking to my friend from book club last night. He's like, oh, I decided to read it hardcover. I'm like, you know what? I think that was a mistake because do you know how many things I have highlighted and read the Wikipedia on just because the author does not do a good job of like giving background People info. People or both? Terms. Terms like a lorry. What the, just say truck. There were so many lorries, lorry this, lorry that, German lorries, German lorries. And after about the 10th time, I'm like, I thought I would read it and then they would explain it. Like I would figure it out, context clues. What the fuck is a lorry? It's a truck, okay? So So it's not beginner. It's not beginner. And it's a true story about this guy named Pino Lella and it's an incredibly compelling story. Like, I don't know what ended up happening happening to him, but he had this amazing story. Like it's like one of the untold journeys of the war. And I just feel like the writer is doing everything he can to like make it not compelling. He's it's it's he's like not doing the story justice, but the story is so good that the book is still good. But had I realized at the time that the book was written by a man, I wouldn't have chosen it. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna say something crazy right now. Writing is for girls. Like <laughs> men are not good writers. I literally have only read a handful of books by men, and they stink, and they get like special treatment. The men. The Silent Patient, everyone's like the best book. Uh, like it was, you know, covered wall to wall, every bookstore, every Goodreads. Stunk it up, stunk it up. Like the bar is low for the man. I'm not reading books by men anymore. It's not for them. I respect your opinion. I think writing is for everyone. And I disagree because I feel like the books I've read by men are so good because all of the books I read are by women. So there's going to be a lot more variation. Mm-hmm. But when something by a man like comes across my desk, like it usually is good because all of the books I see are like the women are platformed more. I like I like I think men like genuinely can't write. And then it makes me question like the great writers, you know Like Shakespeare. Do you think it was bad? I think like if there had been equal opportunity in writing for women during, you know, Hemingway's time, during William Shakespeare's time, like and I think if we had put the best female writer up against Shakespeare, like honestly, I think Shakespeare wouldn't have stood a chance. Like this is just a theory I have because Men can't write. Like they're literally not good at it. It's just a thought. Let me know in your com- in like in the comments. Do you think men can write? Well, for certain genres, I I would prefer a woman. Oh my god, touch. I would never read like a romance novel by a man. Like literally, who cares? I know, but like these women are so delusional. That's what makes it good. It's it's fantasy, I Jackie. I know, but it's like 
I think we're leading people down an unrealistic path. Ooh, hot take. And I think like everyone's just like sitting around waiting. So you mean that boss of yours who's a billionaire <laughs> is not going to come into my tiny square, like 10 foot square, uh, 10 square foot apartment and offer me to be the president because he sees something in me? The president and his wife. But of course, the president <laughs> and in turn, his wife. Yeah. You don't think that's going to happen? No, I think we're setting unrealistic standards for young women. No, that's the thing. What's so great about romance novels? Like it's really, like it's so unrealistic that it's it's fantasy. Yeah. Honestly, some of the romance some people Jackie, some, some people, no, no, let me say. Some of the romance books I read like really should be categorized under fantasy. Some people haven't gotten that memo though yet. Mm. So like they're sitting around waiting for their Christian Grey to walk through the door. Totally separate. Like tangent. You look gorgeous. Like really stunning. And Jackie's wearing her hair au naturally today because she came out into the kitchen. She's like I have to do my hair. I'm like no you don't. It looks gorgina. I'm loving this half up, half down, fresh face, all white. Like it's giving. What is it giving? Hold on. I'm, I want to find the perfect word. Okay. It's giving. What is the word I'm looking for? Maybe I'm not the good writer. It's. Well, first of all, it's giving luxury, the whole look. Oh my God, thank you. But but your face, it's giving unbridled peace, if that makes sense. Maybe that's because my wonderful Turdy Loose stayed a few more days. Maybe. And I'm feeling at peace. And we had a great weekend. But thank you. Yes, I'm wearing my hair natural because Claudia was like, no, it looks so good. You it really wear it like does. That. And I didn't know if it was because she wanted to get the show on the road because we're running a little late today because I was running a little late today. But you know what? It is what it is. Let's give her a shot. My natural hair, I... <clears throat> Can't recall the last time I wore it natural on the show. I do want to be completely honest. Like part of me telling you to wear your natural hair was like, I want to get my day started. Like, let's get the show on the road. But I never would have let you like walk out like with clown. ugly hair. Your hair actually looked beautiful. So it helped my case that you not doing your hair moved things along. Got it. It's just being honest. If I'm going to be honest. I appreciate your honesty. Oh, we need to talk about also another major, major like life altering update from this weekend. Two things. Okay. We stayed number one. On the podcast charts the entire weekend. Everybody and loved our Friday episode. Friday's episode hit number one as well because the other episode of ours that hit number Wednesday. one. Wednesday. It was audio only, which means that we had a couple extra movers and shakers yeah. propping us to the top. But then Friday, we're back on YouTube. So we split the audience again. Right. Which we're happy to do. We're happy to take the hit. But our courage was rewarded because we were number one. And not only was it rewarded, it was rewarded double time. Because it turns out a little birdie named Aaron Rodgers saw our Instagram post about, <laughs> about content we should suggest to him to listen to while he heals. And he liked our rendition of The Sun is Rising by Brit Nicole. He liked it. He liked the real. He, he liked it physically and I and think emotionally, emotionally too. Because I don't think he would like it physically if he didn't like it emotionally because he seems like the kind of guy who means what he says. And it just begs the question, like, is Aaron Rodgers in love with us? Sorry, Aaron, we're taken. I don't know. My wedding ring hasn't been fitting recently. Same. For different reasons. Physically, it hasn't been fitting, but emotionally, not really either, because I've been so transfixed on, like, my relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Hmm. He's single. I know. Last I heard. Last I, I heard on the toast. Um. Okay. One other thing to oh. say. One other thing, because as fall turns and the leaves change we are getting closer and closer to my book being released oh my god and not us being like 
women who don't support female authors. We have not spoken about your book. It's disgusting. We haven't spoken about my book in a little while. I've had a lot going on. A ton. But now it's time to rev it up. Yeah, prepare to be sick of me. Prepare to be sick of me because my debut book, which is a children's book, is coming out on October 10th. It's called The Camper and the Counselor. And I'm so, so, so excited. I still read it every single day and night to Harry. He loves it beyond words. And I'm so excited for all of you to get your hands on it. And here's why you should get it. For a multitude of reasons. One, if you like this show, like support your girl and her debut, of course. But if you have a child in your life, whether it be a daughter, a son, a niece, a nephew, a cousin, whatever, you know. Grandchild. Some, grandchild. Someone who feels like family, but you don't even. You godchild. Know, godchild. Um, you want to give them this book because like it's actual joy in a book. First of all, it rhymes. And, you know, as a, a very involved auntie, I'm seeing the trend in children's literature is moving away from rhyming. And I think that's the wrong choice. And I think it's wrong for the kids. I think it's, a, you know, neglectful in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And Jackie wasn't going to let that happen. She said, this book is going to rhyme whether you fuckers like it or not. And not only does it rhyme, it bounces. Yeah. Like you could just be it's reading that beat. book. You could read that book and your shoulder, you won't even notice your shoulder's just like, the Wendy Kemp robes gives me goosebumps and chills. We're like, here, I yell as we pull into the drive. We've, we've made, made it, it to camp. camp. I'm so glad to arrive. Like it has melodic qualities. It has rhythm. It has the beat. It'll bring joy to your kids. And if you like love a child in your life, like why would you want to make them unhappy? Give them the book. Give them the book. You can search it on Amazon. I'm available everywhere. Barnes and Noble, IndieBound. Go to thecamperandthecounselor.com. Thecamperandthecounselor.com will direct you to where you could get it. And you could still get a kind signed copy via Talk Shop Live. You can. So that's really exciting. October 10th, prepare to be sick of me. And I hope that you get the book and that you're going to love the book. That'll be so exciting when that comes out and we get like so many pictures and videos on Instagram of like kids loving the book. No, and I'm so excited because right now I've only teased the first few pages so people don't like know the plot. The plot. I really don't want to give too much away, but I'm just really excited for when people finish the book. It has twists and turns. It does, highs and lows. It's not what you expect. But it's not too scary. No, or, of course not. No, no, no. There's just like... It's for children of all ages? Yeah, I would say zero to eight because okay. um, I've been reading it to Harry since since he was born because that was when I wrote the first draft right. when I was nine months pregnant. And as he gets older, he loves it more and more. But it's also great for kids who are going to camp for the first time and might be feeling a little trepidatious. Homesick. And that's at eight years old. I don't want to spoil it, but like Camper does, you know, experience a, a bout of homesickness. She goes through some shit. <laughs> yeah, no, she's kind of like a little all over the place, but that's why we love her. Yeah. She's happy. She's sad. It's like, get it together, girl. And that's why she needs counseling. Enter Counselor Snitch. Counselor Snitch. And you don't need to be familiar with this podcast to yeah, if you, like if understand the book. If you never understood why I call Margot Counselor or Counselor Snitch, it doesn't, it's irrelevant to the story. It's just Counselor Snitch is in the book and thankfully she was inspired by Margot. Yeah. So it'll be fabulous. But she has a bit of everyone in her. She better. Yeah. She better. So I'm excited about that. Check it out. Me too. And now without further ado. Now. I feel as though we can get into the fast five stories that you need to know. But again, I spoke too soon because there are some things I need to oh, let you know. she spoke too soon. Which is that today's episode is brought to you by Braun. Braun is a trusted 100-year-old brand with quality products that are built to last. The Braun ear thermometers are clinically proven as accurate as rectal, so parents don't have to compromise their comfort or baby's comfort for the sake of accuracy. Okay, I am obsessed with Braun. I use my Braun thermometer. I told you guys Harry was sick mm -hmm. last week. And up until a month or two ago, we were using rectal thermometers and it was really disruptive. Like you of have a sick kid, no. all of a sudden you have to, no, but when you have a baby, it's okay. But now with kids, like they don't want, you know, 
pants down, diaper yep. off. It's very disruptive. So I had just gotten my brawn ear thermometer because they sent us um, product a few months ago and it was literally in his room and ready. And the ear thermometer was so amazing and so accurate. And not only do they give a thermometer, but it also comes with an app where you can clock what their temperature oh, is smart. at what times when they got medicine. We can never remember what time did you give them the medicine. Right. So Braun has everything because a fever in newborns can be more concerning. So the mm-hmm. free fever threshold is lower. Braun has developed age precision technology to take the guesswork out. The Braun Thermoscan 7 Plus ear thermometer provides age-based fever guidance with a green, yellow, or red reading. So you scan the ear really quickly and then the thermometer lights up with it, whether it's green or yellow or red and will tell you if, what kind of zone you're in mm-hmm. and if you need to be worried. This helps parents so they can understand the severity of the fever based on the child's age and they don't need to spend time looking up all the information. Right. Also, the thermometer is connected and will sync up to the Braun Family Care app. The app is a place where you can track temperature readings, log symptoms and medications, and set reminders for medicine and doctor's appointments. This app is a game changer for those middle of the night fever episodes when you can't remember the last time you gave a kid medicine and now another child is sick. Now you can keep everything together in one place for the whole family. Plus, if one of you has to go to the doctor with the kid and the doctor starts asking what what was his temperature? When do you give him medicine? You don't have to remember all of it. It's just in the app, especially if both parents or caretakers can't make it. So visit Amazon, search for the bronze smart thermometer and use code 20 toast at checkout for 20% off your order. So that's at Amazon Braun smart thermometer. Use code 20 toast at checkout for 20% off of your order. You guys, this thermometer was so, so helpful. Next up, today's episode is brought to you by Babbel, another sponsor of passion <laughs> oozing through me. This fall, you can start speaking a new language with Babbel. Why Babbel, Claudia? Because it's the best. Because it works. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or fooling yourself with language apps that are a little more than games, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed for real people for real conversations, all of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. So if you're going on a trip or you just want to expand your mind, learning a new language is a great way. Free to ex- your mind, the rest will follow that. It's a great way to exercise your brain muscles. You know, it's one it of is. the most difficult things to do, but with Babbel, they make it so easy, digestible, snackable. It's also just like much safer if you're traveling to a country to have like a basic grasp of the knowledge. Yeah. Basic knowledge basic of the language. Gra- yeah. Basic grasp on the language. Basic knowledge of the I language. I need Babbel for English. <laughs> like, um, It's just safer and it's a more efficient way of traveling. Yes. So if you want to learn a new language by Thanksgiving. Even, wow. Yeah. Where, where are we taking a trip? España? Where are we going? I don't know. We can go anywhere. Anywhere with Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash toast. That's 55% off at babbel.com slash toast, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash toast. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, I just want to say, you know, I love Babbel because of the way that it's, the name of it is, you know. Yeah, Tower of Babbel. Tower of Babbel, which is reminding me of this TikTok trend that I want to talk about. Oh, sure. The Roman Empire. Yeah. Which everyone is asking their husbands how often they think about the Roman Empire because apparently men think about the Roman Empire almost every day. It's like a theory on TikTok that like grown men are constantly thinking of the Roman Empire. 
and people are filming themselves asking their husbands and boyfriends and they're being like, honestly, like a couple times a week. Yeah. And I was not convinced that Ben would feel the same. And? I did it last night. He was like, he didn't even know what the Roman Empire was. <laughs> same, like, same with I, didn't, I didn't know what the fuck it was either. I knew for a fact that my husband wasn't thinking about the Roman Empire yeah, once like, a week. Nothing in life is guaranteed, but I knew for a fact. <laughs> but I knew for a fact. But that's how I feel about the Tower of Babel. Like, you find, so now the question has been posed on TikTok. What is the female equivalent of the Roman Empire? Like what historical tragedies or mysteries do plague women? That And some of the answers are Helen Keller. <laughs> The Titanic. That's what I was going to say. Um, Chernobyl. Chernobyl. But I feel like people didn't know a lot about Chernobyl until that show came out. So yeah. how are you really thinking about no, it? No, I think day? the Titanic is like the perfect answer. Yeah, I was. I said the Titanic when we were talking about it at dinner. The Tower of Babel for me. For you. The Holocaust. The ho- I was going to say the Holocaust, but I think that's exclusive to like Jewish women. Let us know. Yeah. If you're not a Jewess. How often do you think about the Holocaust? Probably every day. Definitely. By the way, I definitely think about the Holocaust every day. I probably think about the Tower of Babel once a week. I've actually never thought of it in my life. Like, that's so crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. But like, just if your man isn't thinking about the Roman Empire, like, it's okay. I just, I didn't see anyone else posting like that their husbands had no idea what that was. Like, (laughs) let me ask you a question. What's the Roman Empire? Like, when? Oh, I- I It's in Rome? It's in Rome, and it was like the greatest civilization- up until that point, and I guess since then, um, but then it collapsed. But after like hundreds, how of did years, it collapse? You know, got too big for its britches. Oh God, that's so us right now. Like that's what's gonna happen to us. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um. Okay. But um, a lot of it, like advances and technology, technology, not technology, but like medicine, mathematics, architecture. A lot of it comes from Rome. So I think like when people see, uh, you know, arches or highways, that's when men are like always thinking about the Roman empire. Interesting highways. Not highways, Uh-oh. but like, I don't know. Cause Shapiro said when he's on the highway or something, he thinks about Oh, Shapiro it. thinks about the Roman empire. There was like a thing that makes him think, or some, one of the videos I saw, huh. cause there are things in everyday life that like came from the Roman empire. So that's when these men what are thinking in about in this it. room came from the Roman empire? Why don't you search Roman Empire inventions? It's it's also like concepts, you know? Inventions, Roman Empire. Okay, here. 10 inventions to thank the Roman Empire for from graylinerome.com. Cement. Okay, right. So he's on the highway. The aqueduct. They didn't invent the idea of transporting water. They were primitive canals and other water transportation systems in place before ancient Roman times, but they harnessed the idea, developed and refined it using their engineering skills to build the aqueduct. So that's like plumbing. No, well, sanitation. That's in a Roman empire thing that they gave us. They brought clean water into cities and towns and they kept waste away from clear, clean water. They also developed sewers to take waste out mm-hmm. of the cities. Oh, wow. They use... I'm going to start thinking about the Roman Empire. They used the water from the aqueducts to flush the sewers and the drains. Many of the homes in the city were connected to a sewerage, sewer, sewerage structure. So plumbing. Oh, roads. That's why Shapiro said highway. Got it. Social care and welfare. Ancient Roman administrations developed welfare-type programs. They developed laws that provided money to help feed and educate orphans and poor children from society. The Julian calendar, which is 365 mm-hmm. days a year elements of surgery wow they were lit back in the day they built uh on the developments that the greeks made in surgery they developed many new surgical tools and techniques they used an early form of antiseptic in surgery 
Um, they acknowledge that you need to clean and dip your surgical tools before use. They developed the idea of the cesarean section and they pioneered battlefield surgery. And for them, being prepared to medically help their soldiers was a key part of being battle ready. Moder um, elements of the modern legal system are also from the Romans. Uh, the concept of being innocent until proven guilty. Oh, that's so interesting. And uh, newspapers and public press. The Postal Service. Okay, that's it. That was 10. That's I'm a sure lot. there's more. Right. So now you know. I guess men are always thinking about those things. Oh, of course. Roman numerals. Mm. The newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. All these are. Oh, the arches. You're right. They invented arches. Aqueducts. Okay. All these things are saying the same thing. I just want to make sure we miss anything. Concrete. Roads. Oh. Like books but in the way that we know them now like with covers and rounded the like, shape yeah the shape of books like books invent were like before but that's a lot and so when we talk we're talking romans we're talking about like julius caesar right yeah okay. amongst others this is like a, such a dumb question like i'll be like actually mortified if you agree julius caesar feels fictional yeah but like those were real people caesar yeah it's not a book no but i think it, it was uh um i think it's like a sh there's a fictional they're not a fictional but like Somebody like, there's a book. It's not Shakespeare? I think it's Shakespeare. Yeah, the Ides of March are coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Search Julius Caesar Shakespeare, just to confirm. But that does make it feel fictional. Wow, the iPad is listening to us, like literally first saying, I wrote William Shakespeare, Julius Caesar. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote a story about yeah. Caesar because he was always thinking about the Roman Empire. Because he was a man. Now here's my question. Like mm -hmm. we were in school with all these boys who um, were, are, who are obsessed with the Roman Empire. And it's like, when did they learn all these things about the Roman Empire that stuck with them? Because like I was in the same class and right. I have really not, no I memory. have a very, at best, like grasp. Yeah. What I've shared today is all I know. Right, right. So like, what are they watching Maybe there was reading? like, no, it sounded like there were like secret meetings with boys to talk about the Roman Empire. Or like, were they all jazzed in sixth grade about this social studies lesson about the Roman Empire? Like, I, when I did know. the obsession start? And where are they learning about it now in present day? <clears throat> I don't know. Because that's something I could get into. You know, I like to fall down a historical rabbit right. hole. I could go for the Roman Empire, but what are the best Roman shows? Sound off in the comments. Sound off in the comments. Where could we learn more? All right. Our first story, a little bit of an update. Ashton Kutcher has resigned as chairman of his anti-sex abuse organization, Thorne, over the Danny Masterson character statement. So he's stepping back from his leadership role at Thorne, which is an anti-human trafficking organization, which was co-founded by Ashton. The star and producer resigned as board chair in a letter to the board published to the organization's website on Friday. The letter cited Kutcher and Mila Kunis's character letter for convicted rapist and fellow That 70s Show star, Danny Masterson. Here's what he wrote after my wife and I spent several days of listening personal reflection learning and conversations with survivors and the employees and leadership at Thorne I have determined the responsible thing for me to do is resign as chairman of the board effective immediately I cannot allow my error in judgment to distract from our efforts and the children we serve victims of sexual abuse have been historically silenced and the character statement I submitted is yet another painful instance of questioning victims who are brave enough to share their experiences this is precisely what we have all worked to reverse over the last decade the mission must always be the priority and I want to offer my heartfelt apology to all victims of sexual violence and everyone at Thorne who I know who I hurt by what I did and to the broader advocacy community I am deeply sorry so this to me makes no sense like, oh actually 
Well, yeah, I think it makes sense and it makes no sense because it's like, okay, you harmed the community, so now you're going to help them less. No, I, I know. I actually think him stepping down from this organization that he started, like, he didn't have to step down. It's his, like, company. Um, he doesn't, like, this company actually does, like, amazing life saving work. And, like, he doesn't want his bullshit to be, like, for people now to doubt the organization or for the, or, right, the organization's reputation who, to, who, like, who would doubt the organization? Some haters on Twitter? They no, can still do I the think, work like, that in they're the doing. advocacy community, this is, like, a really big scandal. Like, it's a big scandal for us, of course, but like, but if the work is the work, the work is the work. I agree, but I, I actually can respect like him, actions speak louder than words. I can respect him not wanting th- like his scandal right now to affect this company that he's built over the last ten years. Like, I can actually, I can understand but, that line of thinking. Okay, what I don't understand is like, so, so he's he, not going to work for it anymore. So he were, but my, so the company will will not have at, like his whatever he contributes, a list, money, connections, and whatever, like. No, what I don't understand is like, so he's, so I had, they have completely reneged on the letter. Like them writing the letter was kind of this brave choice. They, mm-hmm. they had to have thought it through extensively mm-hmm. before deciding to do it. And just in an instant, they, like, I don't, I just, that, that to me, to me, so they didn't know they're, they've worked in ag- advocacy for 10 years They've built this organization and they didn't know the harm in writing that letter. Like they knew and it was a tough position and they decided to do it. But now they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I wish I didn't do it. Let me like, let me like erase everything I've ever done and, and change my whole life. Cause right. I wrote the, right. But so now, you know, the theory that me, that they were <laughs> blackmailed into it. It's like the only way I can really seriously like understand this story. I, I just don't understand them like as people right now. Yeah. Like, stand for something like this is so I feel unnecessary and crazy to me that they would really like just continue to just debase themselves like you okay like you wrote the letter but this is your company and you want to help victims of sexual violence walking and sex away trafficking. like so do the work and help right. them don't do less work you know that's actually a very fair way of looking at it that's how, that's how I read it which is like okay the whole time, yes, you wrote the letter, but we can always use their advocacy work to show how much they care right, these are about people who deeply care. and support victims. Yeah. So now you're not going to support the victims anymore. So you really don't. You're, yeah. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Thing. I think like a lot of people expected this. I, I think of it as like a PR move. I think um, it's a horrible PR move. Me just too. Like I thought the apology was a horrible PR move. I think everything that they're doing is horrible PR moves. And I really can't believe that there are people advising them. And even the two of them themselves, I can't be smart enough to see that they are literally like ruining their reputations by standing for absolutely nothing. Nothing. And now they're taking away away from themselves like the one good thing that they were doing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's like, if he's stepping down in name only and still gonna work behind the scenes and provide everything he's providing to the organization, then this is just- A lie. A lie and phone, like- so what, what would you have said would have been the best? They wrote the letters and everybody found out. Right. What would you do? A strong statement about who they are, what they do, and why they did, what, why they made the decision that they made as best as they could explain it to people who will never understand. I think they should have just shut the fuck up. Like, write the letter. Or that. You, you, you obviously, I can't diminish the position they were put in being asked to write those letters by Danny's family and like his daughter. I imagine that was incredibly difficult. Like, I can respect that it was a hard decision and they came to the conclusion that they were going to write the letters. Mm-hmm. We would not be talking about it today. We would have talked about it last week when it came out and be like, oh, yeah, that's even so crazy. The apology, we would have talked we about- wondered. We would have been like, oh, what a crazy time. I wonder why they did it. I wonder what the- We would have wondered, but we wouldn't know as much as we know now. And I think we would not still be talking about it. It would be something we moved on from. They would be 
pretty unmarred by it. And then like, you know, it would be one of those things we always like, be like, how crazy was that? Yeah, that was a weird thing they yeah. did. But even they then apologized. Yeah. And they should have let it end with yep. that. Yep. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes for them, what's going on in the advocacy world, but right. they're two people who don't really need a lot of the internal politics that other people, like they have the money, they have the clout, they have the friends and yep. people who will help them. If not, they don't even need help. They can do all of this work with on their own. On their own. So I don't know why they keep dragging Stepping it out. Stepping in it. And just like they keep like hitting themselves how it's against the wall. Like bad Ashton, bad. Yeah. It's like, no, you made a decision. Would it, was it the one I would have made? No. But you made a decision. Stick with it. Yeah. Like stand by what really... What, from this, this experience we've, what have we learned? What do they stand for? I don't know. I, now they don't even stand for thorns. Right. That work that they do. It's and very I can't, bizarre. How do they have one fan left? They've pissed off everyone. Everyone yeah. with every opinion about what they did. Nobody is watching this being like, Ashton and Miller are doing, doing the, the right, right thing. thing. No, it's like, it's very poorly handled. Yeah. Which is so crazy because you know they have the best of the best crisis PR publicist. Well, I just, I don't know. I feel like, someone is intentionally blowing up their careers. And I feel the same <laughs> way about probably what's our next story about the shows that were coming yep. back that are no longer coming back where it's like, why are people, would you like to go to the next story? Yeah, go to the next story. Cause it feels like people are seriously like deciding to blow up their careers. Yes. Cause they're just done with Cause it. Cause they're bored. No. <laughs> so Drew Barrymore has now decided to pause her talk show following the backlash amid the strikes. I'm not going to read this article. Here's what happened. She said she was bringing a show back. She did it in like a very weird, wishy-washy, like granola statement that really didn't explain her reasonings. Yeah. So there was backlash. And I think it was part and due to the fact that people just didn't understand why she was doing it. Had she given a good reason, i.e. Bill Maher, Bill Maher's bringing a show back. People aren't rioting. He wrote a Facebook post because his listeners are quite old. And he was like, listen, I sympathize with the writers. I'm on their team. But there are hundreds of other people who work for my show who are not protected by a union, who are going broke in solidarity with this union. And like, they need to work. And so I'm bringing my show back without writers. I'm not going to do my monologue because that's what the writers are. The show won't be as good because I don't have writers. But you know what? People will get the paid. The show will go on. It was so clear why he did it, what his reasonings were. And you know what? I could understand it. Like, yeah. actually, I agree. She and So then she did another video, Drew, after the backlash, that was even less clear. She was crying. It was... uh a mess, and then she ended up deleting it. So all these big decisions being made, this is a million, honestly, a billion dollar brand she has, like with the TV show, the makeup. She puts out this blurry crying video and deletes it. Like, I can't get behind that. And now she's not bringing her show back. And I don't know what P crisis PR person in the world would, would let advise, all this happen. Would let all this happen. So I have to imagine she doesn't have PR, but like no, she's Drew. She definitely does. She has PR. And what's so funny is, you know who I think doesn't have PR? Bill Maher. Yeah. Bill Maher just wrote out his feelings and his thoughts and they were concise and clear. Right. But I feel like Bill Maher gets <clears throat> a lot of backlash for stuff. Like he knows what he, he works stands in politics. For. So it's like very, I feel like every time he releases an episode, there's like people for it and against it. It's, but he never like retracts or whatever. So no. he's kind of been through this before. I think for people who haven't been through like the backlash culture cycle, mm -hmm. it's extremely jarring, but you have to stand your ground, especially if you made your decision with good reason. Right. Which How are you going to let like people on Twitter just decide for you. For you and for your team and your employees, like if you're going to work or if you're not going to work. Yeah. The Drew thing is so weird to me. She just like walked into the fire, got burned, walked out, and walked surprised. back in, yeah. walked back out, like walk out and leave. Yeah. 
she also, she was one of a few shows that were deciding to come back. Jennifer Hudson was bringing back her talk show, The Talk on CBS. And the whole um, backlash fell on Drew, which isn't fair, but she's the most famous. Her show is probably the most popular. And she was the first to do it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, But like, not to be so rude, like who watches The Talk, okay? So now all those other shows are following Drew. They're all pausing too. No, and I feel like, Someone has decided to ruin these, like these people's careers. This is so uncharacteristic of Drew. No sense. It's it's such bad strategy. It, it appears as if there's no strategy, but I have to imagine for a show this big, a celebrity this famous, yeah, there is some sort of uh, team. Yeah, Teams but it looks up. it looks seriously like chaos, like burning d- down. For what? For, for nothing? What? To not even end up so we, doing what you set out to do? Right. Right. So you're back in the same position, but now everybody hates you and you're back where you started, which was that there was no show. Right. And I, she never even ended up saying what her reasoning was, but I'm just I'm assuming. I'm sure it's the exact same, same reasons Bill that Bill Maher. People need to get paid. There's people outside of the writers who are going broke in solidarity with the strike and we're going to support the strike as much as we can while also keeping lights on food. and food on the table for a number of other people. A hundred percent. Like, and I, and and the most important thing, and people like, especially like online, are so quick to like use words and labels. So she's being called a scab, crossing the picket line. And it's so important to re- remember her bringing her show back, Jennifer Hudson bringing her show back, is not in violation of the strike. It's right. a SAG approved thing. Right. So she's literally not breaking any rules, right. but she's still being labeled. And who she's wants breaking that? like cultural rules? Right. In this culture, like those labels stick so hard. She'll be known as a scab for the rest of her life. Like, who the fuck wants that? But you have to think that she knew that that was going to happen when she brought her show back, which was kind of admirable that she did because she was like going to do it. Because it was like a crazy thing. It was a crazy thing, but the livelihoods of the people who work on her show were more important than what people online were going to call her. But I guess That's no longer true. So in her third statement since this saga, this is what she wrote. Okay. I have listened to everyone and I'm making the decision. That's the problem. You shouldn't have listened to everyone. You should listen to your gut. Listen to yourself. I am making the decision to pause the show's premiere until the strike is over. I have no words to express my deepest apologies to anyone I hurt. We really need to relax with language. You You didn't stab anyone. No one got hurt in the Drew Barrymore crisis of this week. And of course, to our incredible team who works on the show and has made it what it is today. She added that she really tried to find a way forward with production as the film film industry enters its fourth month of being on strike. SAG-AFTRA joined the Writers Guild of America on the picket line on July 14th. I truly hope for a resolution for the entire industry very soon, Drew concluded. So many statements... So little things being stated. I just didn't see like this year, Drew Barrymore like acting a fool, like so messy. Yeah, this is a crazy trend. And yeah. It, to me, it's the same thing as Ashton and Mila. Like you made a choice. Exactly. You can't stand by it and you just continue to debase yourself. And- no, but you made a choice. It wasn't a, a light choice. I'm no. sure Drew thought really hard. Yeah. She knew there would be some pushback. I'm sure she thought really hard about bringing the show back. I'm sure Ashton and Mila thought really hard about whether or not they wanted to write these letters. They, they, they both made big decisions, really had they're to think bo- it through. They're all grown people. Right. Weird. Something's in the water. Nobody's working in Hollywood and they've all gone mad. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to say, I've seen some like, you know, crying online that like Dancing with the Stars is, a, it's a WGA show like they do have writers for like you know Tyra Banks yeah and so like them returning is like I'm telling you Dancing with the Stars is never gonna air they're next it's just a feel like I have are they getting backlash I guess the thing it's with just starting with up the stars now is there's not one person you can yell at it's, right, so it's not gonna uns- fall on Drew 
No, it's not going to fall on Julianne Huff. Right. It's not going to fall on Jamie Lynn Spears. Yep. So the backlash will kind of be leveled for everyone. And I think they could withstand it. That's what I think. That's a, that's a good point. I'm so excited to get into our next story. But before we do, I have to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Branch Basics. Oh, we're going to be here for an hour. A brand I'm very passionate about because their cleaning supplies are non-toxic, hypoallergenic, free of fragrance, hormone disruptors, and harmful preservatives. They're baby and pet safe and cost effective. For all of those reasons, it's why I love Branch Basics. It's going to be a yes from Jax. It's a yes from me. One, having a shy sand, you need pet safe cleaning products, but also once you have kids, like you really can't be cleaning their things with the toxic chemicals that we've been using for so many years. Right. So I, I gradually made the shift over to Branch Basics. First, I just used it for the kids. And then I was like, why not me? Why, why can't I be using these lovely clean products as well? And it is so affordable and cost effective. Their premium starter kit will provide you with everything you need to replace all of your toxic cleaning products in your home. It's really a no brainer. They have a refill model. So once you run out, the only thing you need to repurchase is the concentrate and the oxygen boost. And the bottle of concentrate is huge. It will refill those bottles of, you know, streak-free cleaner, all-purpose cleaner, bathroom cleaner, cleaner, surface cleaner, over and over and over again. And so it is a great bang for your buck. You can save 15% and get free shipping on your starter kit when you use code TOAST at branchbasics.com. Again, that is code TOAST for 15% off plus free shipping when you purchase a starter kit. And that will have everything that you need to clean your house from top to bottom while also keeping all the members of your family safe from toxic chemicals safe from toxicity except for me oh i can't tell you what turdy's gonna do i'm so toxic branch basics couldn't even clean me that's why they wanted me to read it so true today's episode is also brought to you by vegamore a brand that turdy and Mm, i love very much oh vegamore didn't want me to read this one no look at my hair this wasn't a one that had to be a Jackie read, okay. um, but I am very passionate about it. It's as hurtful. Well. It's hurtful. So I am always trying to do right by my body. So when it comes to my hair and scalp health, finding a product that actually works and is made with clean ingredients, honestly, I didn't think that it existed. I thought I was going to have to choose yeah. between my beloved toxic hair products yep. and the clean life. The clean life. It always feels like a trade off, but with Vega More, you can get products that are made with clean ingredients and that give you visibly healthy hair and scalp. So with Vegamore, I'm able to have visibly thicker, fuller, shinier, longer hair, all without the harsh ingredients. And I do feel like my hair is in that era right now. Yes, your hair looks like, it's good you're reading this ad. Your hair looks so healthy today. Thank you. And it's like, that's my real actual hair. I use the Vegamore Grow line, which promotes scalp health. And they have everything from dry shampoo, shampoo and conditioner, a scalp serum, a nice scalp scrubber. Mm -hmm. You use that one? Massager thing feels so good I use the shampoo and conditioner every single day that I wash my hair which is not every single day and they are amazing they smell really good but they also don't have those toxic things that we do not like so give your hair the power of the little pink bottle with vegamore for a limited time toast listeners get 20% off their first order by going to vegamore.com slash toast and using code toast at checkout that's v-a-g-a-m-o-u-e-g-a v-e-g-a I know, and it's hard because I'm mispronouncing everything, but yeah, you I can't know. stop me, but this is important. Yeah, V-E. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash toast slash code toast to save 20% on your first order. Let me repeat that because I messed it all up. <laughs> V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash toast, code toast for 20% off your first order. Thank you, Jackie. That was painful. <laughs> all right, ready for our third story. Oh, some very sad news. Um, we didn't talk about this on Friday, did we? Or am I having amnesia? Hugh Jackman and his wife? No. Okay. Divorce. 
he's devastated, not wearing his ring, 27 years. Now everyone's like, ever, obviously everyone's like, duh, he's gay. Me, I'm like, snitch, get in there. Oh yeah, I heard snitch was spotted outside his building. I have a, like an incredibly top. hot take. Like, I don't think Hugh Jackman is gay. Like, he literally works in theater. No, if he wanted to, he, he would. would. Like, there's no shame in being gay, especially in the theater. Like, it's the most welcoming. No, and he's in Hollywood. He's like in every single room where being gay is And I know totally, everyone's like, no well, I heard. Yeah, I don't think he's gay. Like, if he wanted to be gay, he would be why, gay. No, like, why would he be closeted at this point in his life? Like, he's 57. How old is he? Hold on. He's old. Yeah. He's 54, excuse me. She's 67. I didn't oh, realize she was an older he lady. He was with an older lady. Yes, I knew that. Deborah Lee Furness. It was like always a nice thing about him that he had this like nice Hamish looking wife at home and he's yeah. like this, you know, Hollywood but heartthrob. Not to get ahead of myself. I'm going to add, add him, him to, to the, the list. list. See if there's anyone. What about Sophia Vergara? Obsessed. Obsessed. I just couldn't see her getting into the theater. Do you know what I mean? Like, no. with if you are dating or married to Hugh Jackman, you have to support him. He was just, you know, on Music Man, which was like, you have to go every night. Like, honestly. It's a lot. The theater is not for the faint of heart. No. It's a lot of, like, sitting around watching dancing. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, sure, the first couple of weeks, it's fun. But for a life, I, I, I couldn't do it. I if think Ben said I want to join the theater, I'd say, call a lawyer. I'm out. Yeah. What if he said, I want to join the theater, but you don't have to attend my performances? Oh, that's fine. Okay. It's good to have hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. So this is sad because it's a long-term marriage, mm-hmm. but it does open up potential. And I know that Snitch somewhere is very excited. Yeah, this. Margot Autry's in love with him. And she doesn't have like a history of like really liking gay men. No, like just that old Olivia, men. Like that Olivia Rodrigo song, All the Guys I Like Are Gay. Like Margot doesn't have that. I'm telling you, he's not gay. No, mm-hmm. I don't, like, I just don't think he would be gay and, and not come out. Like that just doesn't make sense. He's he's grown man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's gay. And, you know, a 27-year marriage is still a success. Very sad to see it end. But, of course, a world of possibilities are now open for him. You added him to our list? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a younger list. I know. And he likes an older woman. We're kind of like, our list is kind of ageist. Yeah. But not anymore. Not anymore. He's, I mean, severely broke. And Deborah Lee Furness, too. She's 67. (laughs) She'll really bring the, uh, but she's, like, not famous. No, it's not fair. We can't put her up. We can't put her on. There's no one on this list for Hugh Jackman. Well, let's think about some, um, you know, older ladies. So he's 57. So anyone, I mean, he could go younger. What about Reese Witherspoon? She's married. Oh, no, she's divorced. She should be on the list. We kind of need to make like a separate list. I know, like not to be ageist, but like it's less interesting. Yeah. I don't see Hugh with a fellow star i don't either that's just because i haven't yet now that i'm looking at pictures of him like i'm thinking like okay let's say he's gay i don't think we'll ever live in a world where he would come out i think he would like i think he really loves deborah lee and to be married for 27 years like maybe he would find it like disrespectful to her or like he wouldn't want to like embarrass her i just i i don't think he's gay but if he was i don't think he would tell us at this point right but how are you gonna like live your life i know like that I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever understand Hugh Jackman. Hold on, there's another article. Oh, Hugh Jackman and wife addressed rumors that he's gay before years before splitting. I just clicked on this link from page six. And the rumors are just because he's in the theater, not because like- Anybody saw him sucking dick. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So his sexuality has been questioned throughout his career, but he and his now ex-wife, Deborah were always, always ready to shut down these rumors. 
In 2013, he told Australia 60 Minutes that he felt frustrated over the constant speculation. He said, it's to me not the most interesting thing about a person anyway. I do get frustrated for Deb because I see Deb go, ah, this is just crazy. And Deb chimed in and said, if he was gay, fine. He would say he's gay. It's annoying because it's not true. In a separate interview with The Hollywood Reporter that same year, Hugh Jackman shared that he, that the rumors about him being gay had started to take a toll on his then wife. He said, just recently it bugs her. She goes, it's big, it's everywhere. He added, noting that the Australian actress would peruse the internet often and spiral afterwards. However, she later appeared to have a better sense of humor about the chatter surrounding Jackman's sexuality. During a Q&A um, in 2020, the mother of two reportedly quipped of her then-husband, he's been gay so many years, I was gay too. You know when I did shame? I was gay. They were shocked when I got married. It's like someone saying to Elton John, he's straight, I'm sure he'd be pissed. All right, well, that if they're talking clear. about it. That didn't really clear anything up. No, and I think, like, this is going to be, obviously, like, one of the meaner things that I've said, but it's just, like, a fact of life. I think people look at them as a couple and, like, assume, you know, he's this Hollywood starlet. He's with, like, an older, lesser-known, you know, she's a beautiful woman, but people think they're ill-matched. That's what, I, and I don't feel that way. I just want to say, because you're like smiling at me, like <laughs> just because you said beautiful, those shoes are not yeah, <laughs> beautiful. She meant to be worn on a beautiful woman. Right. <laughs> I did say it just like her, <laughs> like with the same intonation and rhythm. You did. But I can't think of one reason why Hugh Jackman would be gay and not come out. Well, it's very possible. You know, we live in amazing times where like, you know, there's no you shame. You can be whoever you want to yeah. be. But I don't think you and I could really like understand like there's so much shame. And like most, I would say, you know, gay young men, they conquer the shame in their late teens, early 20s. And most people come out, but maybe he's still stuck in it. And but it's I like, don't think he's gay. And it's like everybody knows him better than he knows himself. Right, right, right. No, like I don't think he's gay. Like I, I don't. So I don't. So that's out on that. Great. Um, <clears throat> speaking of gay, I don't know. <laughs> Katy Perry has sold her catalog rights to Litmus Music, and guess how much she sold it for? Did you see in the? No. Guess how much her like catalog of music is worth? A lot. Yeah, three hundred million. Good guess. Two twenty five. I mean, in this dark economy, they she should take what her. she can get. So after months of rumors, Katy Perry has sold her music to Litmus Music, the Carlisle-backed company co-founded by former Capitol Rep Records president Dan McCarroll for a whopping $225 million. They announced the deal on Monday. It includes her stakes in her master recording and publishing rights for the five albums she released between 2008 and 2020, which are One of the Boys, Teenage Dream, Prism, Witness, and Smile. It's so crazy. Like, Teenage Dream and Prism, like, that's where the value is. Yeah, like, yeah. Witness, $1. Smile, 0 after years as a major superstar during the 2010s, wow, that's how they refer to her now, a major superstar during the 2010s, she has slowed her career, focusing on her residencies in Las Vegas, her philanthropy work, and raising family with her partner, actor Orlando Bloom. Um, that's interesting because how much did Justin Bieber sell his music for? Because I always felt like his was so low. Your iPad is so fucking loud. Justin Bieber... I feel like it was like 300 and I feel like his should be way more music rights. More than Katy Perry, you think? Like, no, because Justin Bieber's like songs are really big, but it's him that's so, you know what I mean? It's like his fans. That's true. And the, the money had been made from those songs already. 200 million plus. 
that makes sense to me. To me, that Actually, felt low for him. he has a lot of big hits, like the more contemporary Forever. stuff. Like, he has... Like, what do you mean? Even in his, like, bad boy years, he had, like, two enormous hits come out every year. Yeah. To me, I remember when I saw this, I felt like it was low. But to me, 225 for Katy Perry feels right. But maybe it's because she hasn't released, like, an actual banger that, like, changed the wave of music for 10 years this, actually what, the more I think about it like they, these are two people who were big megastars in the 2010s they probably have the same number of albums it tracks I actually completely disagree I feel like Justin Bieber is so his music is so current right but he sold his old stuff but but that includes like peaches like that includes oh, things from the last couple of years like yeah Katy Perry has not released a song like that anyone listened to in at least seven years I listen to when I'm gone, I'm never really okay. gone. Okay, like that was a collab with Kygo. That's not like a big song. I just added it to my like songs on Spotify. So, so for I some reason, whenever time. I think of like Masters, I think about the Justin Bieber one because I feel like he did a bad when I deal. Think of Masters, I hear think of Taylor. Well, of course, but we don't know what hers are worth because she never got to buy them. But I thought we knew how much they were bought for in the three hundreds. In the three hundreds. Well, it's so crazy is that actually? So it sounds like everybody it. it if Taylor's 300 and Justin's 200, then it sounds like you're saying that Katie got paid a lot more than you think she's I think worth, Ka- but I, I disagree. Think, I think no, I think Katie actually got a very good fair deal. Fair. I think Justin Bieber got a bad deal. Do you think Taylor got a bad deal? Well, well not Taylor. How, how much time do you have? Right. Well, no, at the time, think about like who she was at the time. That was like lover time. She was kind of like a pop star in crisis, like in the lover time. I think she like didn't really, she was getting older. She didn't know how to navigate being like a pop star, bubblegum pink, like with being a mature older woman and her songwriting, like the lover era was, and I feel like we talk about that a lot, how like I am now uncovering like elements of the lover era that are so amazing. And I don't think I took it seriously at the time because it was so corny and it did feel inauthentic to her at the time. And that's why like Evermore Folklore and Midnight's did so well because they felt so real to like who she was. So now I think the entire her entire catalog of music has to be worth half a million dollars. But at the time, I think 300 was a good price. Mm-hmm. I also don't know, like, what do they do with this music when they buy it? Like, what is it actually? They make money off of it. But, like, how much money? And a in lot. what things? So, like, I don't actually know yeah. what you should pay for a song. Right. Like, I'm just that, comparing it to other people. What's that? That crazy thing, like somebody owns Michael Jackson's music, or like Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson owns the Beatles, a, yeah, yeah, or Elton yeah. Johnson. Like yeah. it's crazy. Michael like, Jackson owns the Beatles, like the rights to like a lot of their music. Yeah, that's so crazy and bizarre. Yeah. So random. And speaking of Katy Perry, I was just watching an interview with Miranda Kerr where she was just talking about like how much she loves Katy Perry, and like I'm obsessed with that whole dynamic. Yeah, like Evan Spiegel, Miranda Kerr, Orlando Bloom, Katy Perry, like. Obsessed. It's giving blended. It's giving blended. But blended. Beautiful blended. When I think of like beautiful blended, I think of like a thousand kids. Like they only just have one kid and they really like do everything they can for the kid. It's like so nice. But Miranda and Evan have. Yeah, no, I'm talking about the shared child between it's Orlando Bloom and Miranda Kerr's baby, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why they all have to co-parent like vacations. And she was talking about how like they plan all their trips. They call Katie. Like she like really likes Katie because she genuinely does but because she like made an effort to also it was like really sweet that is really nice and I just like I'm obsessed with Miranda Kerr yeah like her life is everything okay we have one more story but before we get into that story passion queen over here the the passion never ends because I have one more thing to say say it Jax which is that today's episode is brought to you by CeraVe 
CeraVe is the number one dermatologist recommended acne brand and has a line of products developed specifically for acne prone skin to promote a clear complexion, all formulated with three essential ceramides so you can disrupt the acne cycle without disrupting the skin barrier. Salicylic acid is a prime ingredient in the CeraVe acne products and it works to exfoliate and unclog pores, removing dirt and acne causing debris. CeraVe's acne control cleanser contains 2% salicylic acid to reduce blackheads and prevent new breakouts. It improves the appearance of pores and contains oil absorbing technology, making it a great option for maintaining a clear complexion and preventing new breakouts. They also have the CeraVe Acne Foam Cream Cleanser, which is 4.4% benzoyl peroxide treatment, which clears acne pimples and helps prevent new breakouts and allows skin to heal. They launched a new acne foaming cream wash and their acne line is just so varied. It has every product that you will need. They have acne serum, cream, cleanser, foaming wash, everything. Facial moisturizing lotion for the AM and the PM, which are great for morning or evening routines. The products are available online and in store at CVS. So visit CVS in store or online at CVS.com to receive buy one, get one 40% off on the entire CeraVe acne line. The promotion runs September 17th to the 23rd. So go check it out at CVS. CeraVe has all of your facial needs. Okay, I just want to say, like, for the record, tomorrow I want to go back to regular. Like, I don't like reading the stories. I feel like, like, it just sucks. Like, I hate it. Okay. Do you hate it when you do it? No, I'm used to it. Do you hate doing the ads? No. So? I like being in control of the flow of the show. You think you have more control of the flow of the show? With, with the ads? ads, yeah. Hmm. I feel like I control the show. Mm. With the stories. Kind of like Romeo and Michelle. <laughs> okay, our fifth and final Who's story. Who's the main character <clears throat> of the toast? I mean, I don't think we should go there. Like, it's not good to pit women against other women. I feel like we go through eras, like, you mm. are recently coming out of your main character. Like, you, like, the last couple of months, like, we're about you, you know? Oh, really? But you were, like, doing so I was more show. physically on camera, yes. But, like, everyone was, like, talking and worried about you. And it's, like, I, you know, and just, like, I'm the lowly too. street rat. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's interesting to think about. Kim Kardashian scolds her son Saint for giving the middle finger to paparazzi. He is seven years old. So Kim Kardashian was in full mom mode when she scolded her eldest son Saint for using a rude hand gesture. The Skims founder looked stern when she noticed that the seven-year-old holding his middle finger up to the paparazzi after leaving his basketball game on Friday in Los Angeles. The mother of four... <clears throat> stepped out in a strapless top and high-waisted jeans alongside her, her son. Um, why do we care what she's wearing? The youngster, Saint, was wearing his white basketball jersey. You just have to hit a word count. I know. Like, he was wearing a white basketball jersey yeah. when the trio- This is a part of doing the stories where you have to, like, you know, read quickly and jump. Okay. So Saint giggled after flashing his middle finger, which resulted in a scolding from his mom who briefly covered his face with her hand. <laughs> These pictures are really funny. Um- and then later in the day, she took Northwest to dinner at Nobu Malibu. It's like so weird. What a like, fun day. No, this is like such a normal picture of like they're in some parking lot, like clearly going to Chili's or something. Mm -hmm. Like he, they're in their school uniforms. He's with his friend. The friend's face is blurred. That's good. But not, I guess, Saint is a public figure. Like, Yeah, they don't blur. This they is just like such an oddly intimate affair like it looks like it could be any family i mean not that the moms are ever dressed like him but right it's just and so security. security but it's so um regular yeah like why does the paparazzi why are they at chili's with that right they're definitely going to like like literally applebee's neighborhood grill for like after dinner i mean after practice sliders yeah oh speaking of sliders um jackie lunch? and i no we have lunch covered today we ordered early like we're not dumb we're so smart but Jackie and I have been um, 
I signed up for Discovery Plus and Jackie and I have been just kind of, I've really been like feeling, it's been raining here a lot in the afternoons. It's so hot. So we play outside. And then honestly, by three o'clock, it's so exhausting and it starts to rain. So it's, it's like a perfect. perfect time to shower, read, watch TV. I love it. I love. I hope it rains today. Like I love it. So yesterday we were all laying in bed. I'm like, I think we should watch like a cooking show. So I bought Discovery Plus, seven day free trial. So if I don't like it, I'm gonna cancel it like tomorrow. But I've really been enjoying it. And I was really wanting to watch like Ina or Pioneer Woman or Giada, like an OG, like, Food Network girly and Jackie was like, you should watch Joanna Gaines. And honestly, you didn't trust me. I had me. preconceived notions. You did. So she put on every other show first and it was just not giving like the vibe, especially the old school shows. Like we look at them so fondly, but the way that we're used to consuming content today, they don't They're measure so up. blurry and it's like, but honestly, I really, I, and I'm going to be totally honest. Like I didn't want to watch Joanna. Like she's too thin. Like in my opinion, not too thin as like a person. If you're going to be on like a cooking show, like I want like a big breasted, like I want a big woman making- A balabusta. Like, I want a balabusta like sweating over the, like I want a big woman to make my food. To me, that's more believable. And you know, to be making cooking, like Giada De Laurentiis to me, she's inauthentic. Like so much pasta, so much cheese- one pound. Like it's just, it doesn't feel real to me. Like mm -hmm. I, I can't get, I can't get lost. I can't escape because I'm doubting so much of what's going on. And I thought I would experiencing, I would experience that with Joanna. But what she really talks about is she has this big old family. Yeah. She's really cooking for her kids. Yeah. And her recipes are like simple because they're for children. And I, I, I doubted you. And once again, I was wrong for doing that. Not only does she cook things that you would want to eat, like you know, not getting crazy. Yeah. But she uses like the whole ingredients and the show vibe is very nice Magnolia. to look at. And it has all of those things. Like I would, I want to eat what she makes. We could barely find an episode. I don't want to like tarnish another chef. Right. Also those other chefs have so many seasons that they've already made sliders. Yeah, it's now true. Now they like, have to get into the croquembouche. We were looking for Pioneer Woman. Olivia loves her. She had 40 seasons. Like where do I start? And we chose an episode that was from her COVID years. Oh, that, yeah. I didn't realize, like I just and clicked like, on she, one. She's made 40 seasons worth of desserts. So yeah, we wound up watching a blackberry crepe cake, which by the way, looked delicious. But if I ever attempted to make that cake, it would take me 24 hours. Yeah, no. She wasn't fooling anyone with those crepes. Right. So it just like wasn't, you, uh, the thing about a cooking show is you want it to be aspirational, but you also want it to be like, hey, maybe we should try that. No. And what was so fun about the Joanna one is like, we just kept remarking on like her dishes and her kitchen was so beautiful. And then you let me know that she actually did a TV show building the Magnolia Studios for her. Yeah, it was a two-part special. That we're going to watch tonight. Behind the scenes of how they set up her studio kitchen. She's so like, the thing is I invented Joanna Gaines in this house and I will take that yeah, to my grave. Me, I've never watched Flip or Flop. Fixer Upper, Flipper Flop. Don't get me started on Flipper. <laughs> okay. I've never watched Tarek's Arm Tyke. That's <laughs> Flipper Flop. I know. Okay, I've never watched the Gaines Building oh, Show. You should. I don't like building shows. I don't like oh, home shows. Okay, so like I, I don't even. I don't have anything against Joanna. Like I love her brand. I love her show. Like I love her historically. I just I didn't trust her as a chef. Like she just doesn't give me, you know, chefy vibes. BWE, big woman energy. Mm -hmm. And I was wrong. And no. that's what I get for judging someone. And for doubting me, because I told you it was the well, exact that, content you were looking for. And it was. Like, we, we searched, we just watched so many bad episodes of, like, Barefoot Contessa. Like, we just couldn't find, like, the vibe we were looking for. And Jackie was, like, chiming in in the back of the bed, like, put on Joanna. And we were like, shut up, Jackie. And then we eventually put on Joanna, and she was right. It was everything. It was. Yeah, she makes tasty-looking food. She has a calming presence. She has gorgeous kitchenware. She cooks nicely. Yeah. Swiftly. Not so, you know, complicated. Yeah. But like Ina makes like really sophisticated dishes. Honestly, like she's Ina, making a chocolate truffle. Like I don't yeah. want that. We were looking for, we were like really hungry. So we were looking for like someone to make like a whole episode of delicious desserts. And Ina had one called chocolate, chocolate, chocolate or whatever. And first thing she made was 
I forget, but it was fine. And then she starts making these truffles and it's like, girl, make a cake. Like Duncan Hines. Like what's so so complicated? Duncan Hines? What'd you just say? Duncan Hines. What's that? Excuse me? Duncan, Duncan Hines. Duncan Hines? What are you saying? What are you saying? You don't know what Duncan Hines is? No. It's a brand. No, D-U-N-K-I-N no D-U-N-C-A-N it's like the box brand of like brownies everything you buy oh I don't know it I've never noticed it then Duncan Hines yeah no look let me show you like the box you obviously wait are you fucking with me like no that's like you saying you don't know like Mrs. Betty Fields. Crocker like oh, all cool. these boxes I've never noticed let's go get one okay I would love to make oh a yeah cake. I think we should bake I think so too we could make Joanna's Ranger cookies. Also, what I like about Joanna, she has cookbooks. I've made a few of her recipes and they are they work. tasty. They work. So Kim Kardashian's son gave the middle finger to paparazzi. Oh, what I was going to say about that was mm. now that I'm a parent, like I have stronger feelings about certain things, but I haven't entered that era yet where like if Harry was seven a and, rogue gave, finger. and gave the middle finger to someone who maybe deserved it. Right. I don't know how I would feel about it. Yeah, somebody who maybe deserved it. That's the question. Right. If he was giving the middle finger at school. To oh his teacher. God. Stop. I'm obsessed. Stop. But like, I don't know. I, I imagine I would like be like, you don't would, do that. But I might find it like secretly You fun. would chuckle. 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 I might chuckle. So that's your show. Not, Angel, if you're watching this, do not do it. Angel, if you're watching this, come to your auntie. I miss you so much. Koja. Koja. <laughs> Koja. He calls me Koja, like Koja Cat. Koja Cat. Yeah, that's how we spell it. C-O-J-A. He's obsessed with me. Like you guys, I'm never leaving. Yeah. Great. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Joseph Millennium Morning Show where we deliver the fast five stories eight to know every Monday to Friday on YouTube. So if you're watching us on YouTube, please feel free to subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. We're also available as podcasts anywhere podcasts can be found. So it's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Public Radio, Wire, Radio, Castbox, all the places where we listen podcasts. My last Joseph, five star review about how beautiful, stunning, and wickedly talented we are. Amen. Love ya. Bye. Bye.